1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au
0: Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. The Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
1: Good evening, welcome to the Macca's Run. Jordan Canella smith you're here on a Wednesday night, a beautiful Wednesday night in Melbourne. A great day to be in this city and a great day to be a sports fan. As I look up out of the window, I see bright blue skies with no cloud in sight. And as I look down, I see bright green carpet-like grass. We're at Amy Park tonight, that's what I'm describing to you. For the A-League in a couple of, uh, just over an hour from now, Melbourne City and MacArthur on your radio for some live midweek sport. Simple pleasures in life. Midweek sport is uh, certainly one of my simple pleasures. Sometimes you know what the simple pleasures are in life. Sometimes you don't. So uh, you take them for granted. But midweek sport's certainly not one that we take for granted. And we've had midweek sport for you every day this week with the, uh, the last two days of the Test match on Monday and Tuesday. A-League tonight. There'll be NBL tomorrow. We'll have Friday track on Friday. And then a similar story next week with cricket backed right up into the start of the AFL season. So... SEN, your place for midweek and, of course, weekend sport. Plenty to get through on the program tonight on the Macca's run. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive double three ninety 0433 1116 if you'd like to send in a text on the tempered text machine, a mattress like no other, or you can give us a call, 1300 736 736. Plenty to cover off in the world of footy tonight as uh, the captains had their say on what the uh, on their outlook of the season uh, for the AFL 2022 season coming up uh there was the uh, traditional uh, polls and surveys that they do with the skippers and they gave their thoughts uh on who they reckon will make the finals the grand final who win the, the Brownlow and the Coleman we'll touch on a bit of that in a moment we'll touch on some round ball game clearly as we are here at Amy Park tonight we'll talk about what's been happening uh, in the A-League over the last uh Last, well, last couple of days alone has given us uh, another serving of drama in the A-League. It's never short of drama, is the A-League. And there is a game on right now as well. Melbourne victory against the Central Coast Mariners, where it's halftime. And the Melbourne victory have a 1-0 lead over the Mariners. Nick D'Agostino scoring 10 minutes before halftime. And that match is on SCN Fanatic. So if you want to listen to live sport, uh, they are in the half-time break. But uh, the Mariners hosting Melbourne victory is on SCN Fanatic. Julian Marcus and Clint Bolton are calling that. At the moment, uh, the game we've got, as I said, is Melbourne City taking on Macarthur here from Amy Park, and there'll be uh, another match on at the same time. Wellington and the Newcastle Jets, so three uh, A League games on this um, on this midweek uh, midweek Wednesday, as Andrew Bensley likes to say on SEN Track. The cricket has been a fascinating point of discussion. I feel it, it might have been uh, a pretty sort of lifeless Test match, the one that we've just seen. In Raul Pindi with Australia and Pakistan, but all the storylines around the series into or from uh, who got selected into the team at the start of the Test match, Australia only going in with one spinner, to then all of the talks around the pitch and uh, and its grading. So in 2017, the MCG's pitch was deemed poor by the ICC. The G and, and Cricket Australia were put on notice at the time to change it in order to make it more lively, so it could give us a result in test matches. The pitch we just saw in Raul Pindi in Pakistan for the first test of this uh, this Benno Khedia trophy didn't give us much over the five days. And frankly, it was not much better than the G some five or so years ago. There are talks that the ICC match referee, Ranjan Madugali of Sri Lanka, could investigate that pitch in Pakistan for its lifelessness and give it the poor classification, just like he did to the MCG. The PCB, the Pakistan Cricket Board, are pretty confident uh, and this is just them talking and and sort of trying to talk up their own venues but they don't reckon that they'll get the classification but it's not up to the Pakistan Cricket Board it got me thinking more broadly how poor is too poor how poor of a cricket pitch is too poor where's the is there a cut-off line is it grey is it is it more defined in quick in a quick summation i think a cricket pitch that is conducive to constantly or Seemingly producing drawn matches or more drawn matches than others should be graded as such. It should be graded poor. Ultimately, a sporting contest you want to get a result. There has to be, well, it doesn't have to be, but in more cases than not, you want there to be a winner or a loser, right? So let's get cricket matches where there are there is a winner and a loser to the match. Draws are boring. We don't really need or want draws, even though they do happen. It's part of cricket. I understand and and, and agree with the argument of producing more lively pitches, but when I said how poor is too poor, so where do we draw the line? Where do we strike the balance? If we make the wickets all action, then that could favour the bowlers too much. No one would necessarily complain about that because I think we all, most of us tend to think that test matches that are lower scoring and higher in wickets often produce more entertainment. Keeps the match close, it keeps the scores low and keeps everything very... Uh, every, every target set in the preceding innings keeps it very attainable and achievable. Um, if the wicket isn't lively enough and favours the run scorers, then, well, we get to see big totals made, which is, can be fun in itself as well. Milestones get achieved. Centuries, double tonnes, the odd triple tonne as well. But it may not necessarily see a result. More drawn matches may occur. If the ICC begins some kind of crusade to force each cricket board to liven up their pitches then we begin to run the risk of homogenising every test pitch around the world to behave the same. Now, I'm not saying this is what the ICC are aiming to do right now. It's probably not really in their their charter, but this could be a slope that we start to slide down one day if we start taking more more of a keen eye on how lively a pitch is. Homogenising cricket pitches might fix the issue of fairness, though, when it comes to home nations dominating matches at their own venues in their own conditions. If you increase the chance for travelling teams to win matches by homogenising pitches, then the the road teams uh, might actually win more road games. They might even the competition. But then we lose the beauty of every nation having its unique identity. So nations want to design their own type of pitch to play on, creating different sorts of challenges for their opponents. And challenges those travelling opponents must learn to face and learn to beat if they want to call themselves the best. A similar analogy or a similar comparison can be drawn to Formula One. Formula One has a track designer, a German track designer called Hermann Tilke, and his tracks are uh, colloquially, sometimes pejoratively, called Tilke Dromes. Um, he designs circuits all around the world, and while they all work to a functional level, they're all the same. They all have very similar characteristics and qualities, and, and therefore they all kind of become boring. It has, they all have a similar number of straights, a similar number of sweeping bends, a similar number of tight turns, hairpins, S's. It sounds like a lot of variety when you throw all of that into one Formula One track, but when the F1 calendar is littered with tracks with all the same characteristics designed by the same guy, all of that variety becomes common and it becomes boring. There's no odd one out. So there's different degrees to this. It's a nuanced discussion. I agree that the pitch in Royal Pindi was lifeless. You need to have something to give you a result. Pakistan also, in the same token, shouldn't feel beholden by the ICC to change the identity of their pitches too drastically. If Pakistan's identity is to have pitches that are low deteriorating and have minimal spin, then let them have that within the boundaries of of also letting it be a pitch that will also produce a winner at the end of, of five days or less. It's then put squarely on the away teams to equip themselves appropriately with the players and the strategies that they employ to try and overcome that challenge and try to win. So I'm not saying one way or the other that we should homogenize all pitches or that Pakistan should not um, uh, should not feel obliged to change their pitch or, or, or do feel obliged to change their pitch it's more of a striking a balance in between and, and having something that will actually give you a result but not something that takes it too far away from what Pakistan want to create as far as a cricket pitch goes one three hundred seven three six seven three six if you'd like to give us a call on that matter over the course of the next hour. 0433 98 11 16, to send us a text on the temper text machine. A mattress like no other. Cricket pitches, homogenisation, can also lead into discussions about, and I've, I think about this often with footy, so this is going to become, if it not already is right now, the talk of Melbourne over the next week or so as round one begins in a matter of days. The talk of defensive uh, strategies and defensive structures that coaches have employed, we all want to see fast attacking, flowing footy because it's more entertaining and it hooks the casual fan in, it hooks new fans in, it keeps the existing fans around to watch an exciting product. But there's nothing inherently wrong with playing a defensive strategy. There's nothing inherently wrong with trying to be a dour team, a team like Geelong, people have lambasted for being boring or for playing too defensive football or playing anti-football but if that's how they if that's how they believe they can win matches of football then why are we trying to discourage them from playing that kind of style of game It's I, I, I understand the arguments around alright let's, let's create conditions that are fun for spectators to watch but we shouldn't also if if we try and discourage the defensive or the dour or the boring or the low wicket taking types of wickets for example in cricket then everything just becomes too much the same i know sport is an entertainment product and nowadays it's all about making as much money as you can and increasing the audiences but it also detracts from the beauty of the sport sport is not all just Let's make it ultra exciting and uber exciting for the kids and the casuals to watch. It's, it's also a thing of beauty. There's different challenges that should be posed in different sporting arenas, whether it's one high attacking team playing a high defensive team or maybe a, a high uh, run scoring team normally playing on a, on a cricket pitch that is high in wicket taking or vice versa. Homogenising sport can become detrimental, and we we start. I feel like we've already started to lose sight of of where the beauty in, in sport is, and where the beauty in in defence and being stodgy and dour is, because that's that's part of sport. It's it's part of sport. We shouldn't try and discourage that. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to send us a text. One three hundred seven three six seven three six uh, to give us a call. So on the cricket, on the uh, off the back of the first test that we just seen, which is uh, which ended in a draw. Uh, Pat Cummins, the Australian captain, spoke about what might come up in the second test, and there's already uh, pretty strong talks that Mitch Swepson could be uh, brought into the team for his test debut, and we go with two spinners into the second test. Uh, Pat Cummins spoke about exactly that ahead of the next test in Pakistan.
2: We'll have a look at the wicket um, first. I I think it it, may have been been helpful here, but I I don't think it would have made too much of a difference. Um, yeah, here you're probably expecting more up and down bounce and reverse swing, um, which is, you know, lends more support to the fast bowlers rather than spinners. From, yeah, Intel from Karachi, to Lahore is probably, uh, you know, second spinners. Um, probably the way to go, but we'll, we'll have a look.
1: Pat Cummins speaking ahead of the second test. So the second test is in Karachi, the third test is in Lahore, and this test series will go through just about the end of March, there's still plenty more Test match cricket coming your way on SEN. And well, here is part of that identity, I suppose, is Pakistan's Raul Pindi uh, wicket didn't have as much spin, but Karachi and Lahore might, So that's the thinking. I, I'd I'd like to see away from this discussion on uh, on cricket pitches. Just as far as Mitch Swepson goes, I'd love to see him play in Test cricket. We haven't seen him yet. He's been in he's been named in so many squads, but as Nathan Lyon has, has um, well, he's been well and truly cemented in the team now for about a decade as uh, as the off-spinner and as one of Australia's greatest off-spinners. We haven't really seen too many opportunities allowed to other spinners. there has been the occasion, occasional one here and there. John Holland played a test match, I think, a couple of years ago as a second spinner, but nothing with great regularity. But Mitch Swepson has been always spoken about as the next Red Bull spinner uh, waiting in the wings. And he's been waiting in those wings for about three years now, so... Uh, if, if it is indeed to be a, a strong spinning wicket in Karachi, then let's, let's see a second spinner actually bowled and, uh, and let's let's play Mitch Swepson. I'm looking forward to seeing him play if he does indeed get named. Uh, Pat Cummins went on to speak about what the week has been like for the Australian cricket team. It's been tough going for all of the cricketing world, all of the, the sporting fraternity in Australia and around the world with the passing of legends in the last week. And it took a mental toll on the Australian cricket team. Pat Cummins explains.
2: Yeah, it been a really tough week. Um, I think, you know, a few members were closer to Rod or Shane than, than others, um, and everyone deals with it slightly differently. But, um, yeah, just been really open, trying to yeah, share stories and, and, and talk about it. Um, I think everyone's still probably, like the rest of the world, just in a bit of you know, disbelief, um, especially, you know, the the, the Shane, um, passing of Shane that happened so suddenly. Um, so... Yeah, just get around each other, keep looking after each other, and it's yeah certainly been a, a big point of conversation. And yeah, just you know, obviously wish all the close friends and family um, of, of both families um, still the best, and we've been thinking about it all week.
1: Pat Cummins, there, the Australian captain, speaking about the week that they've just had among the Australian cricket camp. We'll talk a bit of footy, of course, this hour as well. The uh, the captains had their day today, where they do their survey and speak to the media. So we'll hear a bit of them. Later on, we'll talk about the cats as well. Today is Geelong membership day. We've got a quiz coming up for you, cats fans, in the in the next segment after this. So, if you fancy a quiz and if you fancy uh, to if you fancy flexing your Geelong knowledge, Geelong fans, jump on the line because we'll do that in a couple of moments. Uh, but we will talk about footy as well and the headlines from the day. But uh, Peter and Lara is wanting to get us uh, away and running with the footy conversation. Peter, welcome to the program. How are you going?
3: Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. What's on your mind?
3: good... I just your point before about, or well, Richard Gordon's point before about how they're worried about money and uh, Tasmania not being financially viable potentially. The question's got to be posed about what Gold Coast and GWS have done to the AFL financially, surely.
1: Yeah, I find those. I find those comments pretty. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a defensive comment. It's. I don't see how. Tasmania. If, if you're considering the Giants and Gold Coast, I mean, they're not really. They might be in bigger catchment areas that have a broader scope, maybe just at a at a superficial level to be financially viable. But they they are in non-footy states, I mean non-traditional states, and I know that's where the AFL want to target their newer markets to to expand the game, but. Really, I, yeah, I, I, I know where you're coming from, I understand and I probably agree is how financially viable is Gold Coast in, in a state that really doesn't care too much about footy in a, in a state or a team that's probably not making a heap of money compared to Tasmania where there is an existing football fan base, where there are people who care about the sport and where there is there is a grassroots uh, element of footy that's already been embedded in Tasmania. So yeah, that, those, those comments um, seem to be sort of on the defensive to just basically justify or try and defend the decision-making that the AFL has made. Um, thank you for the call, Peter. I appreciate it. And it's certainly one that's um, that I hope we see ramped up again this year. We had a, a, probably as, as meaningful and momentous a year as we had last year for Tasmania's uh, bids to join the AFL and, and bring a, a new license in, an additional license, or maybe take the license of an existing team uh, wink wink nudge nudge um but yeah i, I hope that those hope that those discussions because I, I think i fully believe that tasmania are fully deserved of a team in the afl so um i'd like to see it how it happens i don't know i don't know what the best way of happening what that happening is but i've, I've got my opinions and you have yours as well Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen 98 to send those in right after the break we've got a quiz coming up it is Geelong membership day and it's uh, it's going to be a Geelong themed quiz so cats fans jump on the line we have a Geelong themed quiz after the break it's a five question quiz at 1300 736 736 the winner of the quiz receives a $100 cats shop voucher so if you're in need of a new guernsey or a new scarf or a bunch of things little trinkets and keyrings that they sell in the in the cats merchandise shop got a $100 voucher coming your way on the other side of this for the winner of the quiz get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Maccas drive through
0: the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves for Maccas juicy angus beef and the lot dine in and try the Aussie angus at Maccas today
1: we are Geelong, the oh cats world. fans how many times we will you be hearing that song after a match this season season 2022 this is the maccas run get tonight's dinner sorted at your local maccas drive through with the mcvalley bundle for just 24.95 time for a quiz a geelong themed quiz today on this uh geelong membership day join the cats at membership.geelongcats.com.au uh, log on that's Au. we've got a couple on the line for the geelong themed quiz uh we have Stephen geelong who's uh, with us first up how you doing steve Oh, very well. How are you? Good, thank you. Ready to go? Let's go, yeah. Here we go. All right, question number one. Who do Geelong play in round one this season? Nice and easy. Uh,
3: That'd be the country game, V Essendon.
1: Correct. It is Essendon. Well done. Question number two. Uh, Steve Hocking is your new CEO heading into this season. How many games did Steve Hocking play at the Cats? Oh. Oh, I've got a feeling it's one ninety nine. You, that feeling is very correct. One hundred ninety nine games, just short of the milestone. Uh, question number three, Steve. Before two thousand and seven, when was Geelong's last premiership? Before two thousand and seven, when was the uh, the drought was broken? When was it? be uh, nineteen sixty three. Nineteen sixty three is correct. That should be pretty basic knowledge for any true Geelong supporter. Uh, question number four. Um, if you can get this exactly, I'll be very impressed. But I'm also happy to round it up to the nearest, let's say, the nearest 10. Uh, how yeah. many games all up did Gary Ablett Jr. play across his two spells at the Cats?
0: Ooh, um,
1: I think it was 3 five, nine total, so mm. 288. Now you're you're a little bit off. You're in the in the right zone, near the right zone, but just a little off still. Good try, Steve. Jump back on uh, if you reckon you can uh, make the most of maybe this stumbling block of a question. Uh, Travis is with us in Dingley. Welcome to you, Travis. Yeah, how are you, man? Good. How many games all up did Gary Ablett Jr. play during his two stints at Geelong? I'm happy to take it to the nearest ten.
2: Um... Just shy of 250,
1: so we go 246. Oh, you know what? I'll give that. It was 247. I said the nearest 10, so 247 was the right answer. I would have accepted 250. 246 is good enough. Uh, Last question then Travis, you're in the box seat here for the $100 Cats Shop voucher. Uh, What is the name of the Geelong uh, pub that Cameron Ling first bought? Um, what was that, sorry? Cremoyne. I'm pretty sure it's Billy's Pub, though. I'll just say the Cremoyne. Cremoyne. No, not the Cremoyne, no. Thank you, Travis. Uh, jump back on. Shane is with us in Geelong. Shane, what's the name of the club uh, that... Good. What's the name of the pub that uh, Geelong cat great Cameron Ling first bought? Uh, first bought? I know he owns the uh, the Gold Diggers. I don't know if
0: that's his first one, is
1: it? Mm. You want to lock it in?
0: <laughs> uh, let's lock it <laughs> in, mate, because it's the only one I can think
1: of. <laughs> yeah. Correct. It's the Gold Digger Arms Hotel. I'll give oh. that to you. Uh, well yeah. done. Well okay. done, Shane. You get the $100 cat shop voucher. Uh, I'll put you through back to uh, Tomo, our producer. But well done. How are you feeling ahead of the season?
2: Uh, excited, yeah. We're just more than happy to get back and actually watch some footy in uh, in real life. So we'll be down there mm. at the bottom. the game round one and hopefully we get off to a good start.
1: Premiership window still open? Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. Good. I like the confidence. Thank you, mate. Have a good one. And, uh, and uh, we'll get your details off air. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Shane from Geelong winning our quiz. Cats. Uh, Uh, Melbourne five memberships so buy one get one free today only so join join now uh, on the Geelong membership uh, portal membership.geelongcats.com.au Geelong fans I'm sure will will definitely say their window is open I still think it's open as well but for the rest of you one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 it's uh, I I think it's open. I don't think you can deny it's open even though people will say that oh they're too old and they're going to fall off the cliff we've been saying this for years now it's that conversation, that 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 points that people are trying to make. We've been trying to make that point for almost four or five years, and it's not come true. They still keep making finals and preliminary finals, and a grand final recently. How how dependent though is Geelong's success, or how dependent is the premiership window on? Well, I think the most important component of Geelong is the the Hawkins-Cameron partnership up in the forward line. So how dependent are their chances on? On that partnership for as long as it survives, because it's not going to be around too much longer. Even though Tom Hawkins is still playing great football and still kicking bags of goals, he's 33 years old, so the ending, the, the finishing line is in sight. Previously, cats, the Cats could probably rely on numerous facets all around the park. Um, it had been a, a machine of sort of equally valued components from, uh, especially the, the that elite group of players. So the defence. Uh, Harry Taylor, who held the defense up for so long, Tom Stewart, who's an elite defender, the midfield of Selwood and Dangerfields, and Cam Guthrie most recently, uh, and then the forward line now of Hawkins and Cameron and, and the smalls that are around there. That haven't got too many elite smalls, but small forwards who can certainly do the job, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Tyson Stengel does now uh, in that forward line but now that as that core of, of that's of the side ages and new players step up are those new players at the same level to match what the soon to be outgoing core has created so are the likes of you know Parfit and Narkle and Tom Atkins even and Sam Simpson are they good enough to uphold what Selwoods and Duncan and Dangerfield have created in the, in the last 5 or 6 years as i said i'm not i'm not going to say that Geelong are going to fall off the cliff they're definitely one of the top contenders to make finals i've been guilty of being part of the Geelong are too old brigade, and it's burned me, so I'm too sheepish to go back to that well. Uh, but how dependent are the Cats now on on Hawkins and Cameron being the partnership up front? It feels like that that is the most that is the single most powerful part of of the Cats team, in my opinion. Yes, Selwood and Dangerfield are elite players, as as even though Selwood is at the back end of his own career as well. Hawkins is still 33 and playing well. Jeremy Cameron's more than capable of carrying the load himself if he needs to. Um, But is it dependent now on that key forward partnership? Is it more dependent maybe on that partnership, more so than what other teams are on their own uh, key forward partnership? There was Geelong, well, it is still Geelong Membership Day, but we had plenty of great Geelong figures on SCN throughout the day. And uh, Patrick Dangerfield's probably the face of the Cats, he was on SCN Breakfast earlier today with Gary and Tim to chat about the new season ahead.
3: I think we, we had a lot of players last year, Tim, that um were are uh, significant to the way that we play that missed a lot of footy. Um, you know, Jez is a perfect example of that. So that continuity um is is key for any side. Um and, and we still played some really good footy. We finished in the top four and then we were well, well beaten in the preliminary final. So how, um, just on that point, how banged up was the team in that prelim final? How the sick, virus yeah. yeah, how sick was that team in that prelim final? I think it's okay to talk about it now sick by the end of it. I oh, do, Tim. That's terrific that's <laughs> then. I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. Um, oh, for, for, for some, it was significant. Absolutely. For, for others, I, you know, I was fine. But there was a few that I think, um, you know, they hadn't had the curry the night before, but they weren't feeling terrific uh, on on game day. But, you know, that's footy. You're not you're not going to feel great in every game. Rarely I, I, do you ever play a game where you're feeling 100%, where it changes, where the... You know, if you're in Iron Guts and you don't have Iron Guts, that can be, um, you know, somewhat challenging, but that's the game.
1: Patrick Dangerfield on SEN Breakfast earlier today. Jump on SEN.com.au or the SEN app to hear the full conversation with Patrick Dangerfield, with Gary and Tim, and uh, Steve Hocking was uh, with Waitley as well earlier today. So another good chat there from our uh, our programs today on SEN. The captains had their say from today's surveys. We'll uh, hear from those skippers on the other side of this. This is the Macca's run live from Amy Park tonight as the A-League Melbourne City and MacArthur is your entertainment for a Wednesday night. We've uh, got both sides. We've got Melbourne City anyway. Got a couple of MacArthur players out there to my left, but uh, all of the Melbourne City team are out there right now in Amy Park going through their pre-game warm-ups. Thomas Sorensen, a uh, Premier League EPL goalkeeper of over 300 games in the league, over 100 games with this Danish national team and multiple World Cups. He'll be my co-commentator tonight. It's as high-profile an analyst as, uh, as we've got, really, in, uh, in not just A-League radio football, but in Australia. It's a pleasure that Thomas Sorensen has now decided to call Australia home after being in Denmark and in Europe for so long. He'll be my co-commentator. He'll be with us later on this hour as well. Jordan with smithy on the Macca's run. Don't forget the Cats' Melbourne Five memberships are buy one, get one free. Today only. Join now, membership.jelongcats.com.au. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Maccas drive through The Maccas Run continues next.
0: The Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves, the Maccas, Juicy, Angus Beef, and the Log. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
1: Welcome back to the Maccas Run here on SEN. Jordan Canellos with you this Wednesday night. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Maccas drive through with the McValue bundle for just $24.95. Here from Amy Park. Melbourne City and MacArthur going through their full warm-ups before the start of this match. And we'll preview this encounter in just a moment. Kick-off is at uh, five minutes past seven, so it's only 25 minutes away. Uh, today was AFL Captain's Day. They've had their say on uh, on their thoughts ahead of the season, uh, giving us their predictions in the uh, the polls and the surveys that the AFL traditionally run for the skippers ahead of the season. Firstly, let's hear from the uh, Carlton and Richmond captains, Patrick Cripps and Dylan Grimes, who's uh, one of the new co-captains at the Tigers, along with Toby Nankervis, but it was Cripps and Grimes talking about the traditional, normally traditional season opener. It'll be the second game now of the season, but talking about Carlton v. Richmond on Thursday night in round
3: one. We're big on sort of earning the respect this year, so um, we're excited. Um, it's always good playing round one, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to knock them off. I
1: really feel that. I mean, I, I expect this to be the most competitive out of, um, out of the last few years. Patrick Cripps and Dylan Grimes ahead of the, the clash on Thursday night in Round number one. A couple of the headlines from today in the AFL worlds, uh, mostly around the addition of a couple of players to rookie lists via the, the pre-season supplementary selections. So West Coast have three more players that they've added to their list. They had Hugh Dixon, a uh, former uh, Fremantle tall forward slash Ruckman, a couple of days ago, but they've added three more today. So former Richmond midfielder Patrick Nash, ex-Brisbane midfielder Tom Joyce, And uh, former Fremantle Ruckman Luke Strinadica have been added to the squad. So they've got three more added now. This is um, after the fact of Tom Cole and and Campbell Chess are being added to their inactive list with long-term injuries. So topping up, Patrick Nation and uh, Tom Joyce were both pretty impressive for the Eagles in their uh, pre-season game against the Dockers on the weekend. St Kilda have added Jared Lynette to their uh, rookie list as well. The former Port Adelaide defender, Played 22 games for the Power between 2018 and 2021. He's 27 years old, so mature age player they get uh, to add to their defence, and that'll help offset the uh, the long term loss of uh, Nick Coffield with the the knee injury. Um, in cricket today, the Marla Cricket Club have changed a couple of laws to the game of cricket, and this will be uh, this will be expansive worldwide. So one of the major major changes will be regarding new batsmen coming to the crease after a catch. So normally it's sort of been encouraged in, in cricket to, uh, you know, if it looks like you're going to be caught out, get the batsman to cross so that at least the uh, the inform the hot batsman at the non-strikers end can get on strike for the next ball. That'll be nullified now with the new laws. It's going to be that the new batsman who comes out into the middle will have to take strike regardless of if the previous pair of batsmen crossed or not. So the new batsman takes strike regardless of crossing, in addition, saliva to polish the ball will be outlawed now, and that will be considered ball tampering. And also, mancad dismissals will be regarded as a legitimate part of the game now. So the stigma around is the mancad legal? Is it not? It is now officially legal. There is no stigma. You can do it without, without uh, not that there was any repercussions, but without being frowned upon. Let's say. Uh, in the uh, in the cricketing world. And the NRL season gets underway as well this weekend. Melbourne Storm have named their team for round number one. Kicks off tomorrow night's so Penrith take on Manly, but the Storm's first game will be on Saturday night against the West Tigers at Combank Stadium in the west of Sydney. Uh, Melbourne Storm in the off-season have had some, some pretty high-profile departures. Josh addo has is left to go to the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Dal Finucane's off to Cronulla. Nico Hines as well is going to the Cronulla Sharks. Uh, among a couple of others. Those are the main ones. The big inclusions for the Storm this season, 20-year-old winger Xavier Coates from the Brisbane Broncos, who uh, even as a teenager had been selected as uh, one of the starting wingers in the Queensland State of Origin team. So this guy is one of the up-and-coming wingers in the NRL, and he's with the Melbourne Storm this season to help offset the loss of Josh Adokar. And uh, fullback Nick Meaney from the Canterbury Bulldogs uh, has joined the Storm to help offset the loss of Nico Hines. But... He won't be playing at fullback. He'll be playing at 5-8 this weekend against the Tigers, filling in for the suspended Cam Munster. So no Cam Munster to start the season uh, for the Storm as uh, he's out with a suspension. So those are a couple of the major stories. And quickly as well, one from uh, International Sport today. This is the major, or two of the major headlines from American sport is in the NFL. Two big off-season moves. Firstly, Russell Wilson has been traded to the Denver Broncos. This is a massive move that probably will ignite the transfer and free agency period among the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been in Seattle for 10 years. He's won a Super Bowl in his second season with the Seahawks. Denver haven't really had a proper quarterback since Peyton Manning retired in 2015. They've chopped and changed among five or six quarterbacks. But Russell Wilson, who is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, will be at the Denver Broncos in exchange for Drew Locke, who is a quarterback of of lesser quality. Uh, He'll go back the other way to Seattle. Noah Fance will go to Seattle as well. And also two first-round draft picks and two second-round draft picks as well, all going in exchange for Russell Wilson, plus a couple of uh, lower-end draft picks as well, fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter described it as one of the largest trades in NFL history. And then one of the most significant re-signings was Aaron Rodgers, who has signed a new deal to stay at Green Bay after nearly two years of discontent at the Packers and feeling like he wasn't being listened to uh, when it came to personnel decisions from the from the board, uh, and having labelled last season curiously as the last dance, fore- foreshadowing maybe that he would leave Green Bay at the end of the season just finished, he's decided to stay. Uh, he's signed. He announced via Twitter a couple of days ago that he would stay at the Green Bay Packers. The NFL Network are reporting he's signing a four-year deal worth 200 million US dollars although the final figure has been disputed. But um, certainly uh, those two headlines have all but ignited the, uh, the off-season player movement period in the NFL. It's not just ignited, it's created an inferno. Those are two huge moves in American sport. The Maccas run, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Maccas drive through uh, We'll have a chat to Thomas Sorensen next, ahead of the Melbourne City v. MacArthur match in the A-League tonight on SEN.
0: The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today.
1: Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Jordan Canellas here filling in for Sam Hargraves this evening. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive through with the McValley bundle for just $24.95. Uh, Thomas Sorensen is going to be my analyst tonight uh, in our A-League Clash Melbourne City and MacArthur, which starts in a matter of minutes. Uh, Thomas, welcome. Good to see you
0: again. Yeah, great to be on. Uh, you know, again, games are coming thick and fast. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, rescheduling. But, uh, you know, this has got to be a good, good, really good game tonight. You know, we've got two attacking teams. Uh, you know, they're, they're right up there with, with goals scored and, and chances created. So uh, we'll hopefully be in for a blinder.
1: I didn't know you were an NFL fan, by the way. <laughs>
0: Your ears. You know, I was just listening to you talking about, you know, the big trades of today. Yeah, and no, i massive uh, for going back 12 years through my Villa times, actually. uh the club was bought by uh, an owner of an NFL team and I started supporting the Cleveland Browns and didn't know how bad they were. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as I've been going through thick and thin, a little bit like football fans, you know, it, it's up and down and, uh, you know, it's just great to uh, to, to talk about sport and uh, now we've got a, a great game here tonight.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about the A-League in just a moment. We'll, uh, we'll get into that properly after, after seven, so in, in a matter of minutes. But um, let's talk about what's been happening on the continent. Firstly, the Champions League this morning... We're into the second leg matches now of the round of 16 in the Champions League, and uh, Bayern Munich and Liverpool secured their progression through the quarters. It's pretty plain sailing, wasn't it, for Bayern Munich, who won on aggregate 7 1 against, or 7 2 against Red Bull Salzburg from Austria, and uh, Robert Lewandowski scoring the fastest hat trick in Champions League football. 23 minutes it took him to score three goals in that match this morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really surprise us. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, I think just the consistency he showed. Um, Really disappointed he didn't get the Ballon d'Or. I think he has, he has yeah. deserved it on the back of, you know, last year the award not being given and then being snubbed. Uh, uh.
1: With, uh, I don't know what that was with AC Milan
0: and. Uh, Great bit of music, man. I it? know.
1: Isn't <laughs> I, oh, it's just just pumping up our uh, football chat here. Uh, AC Milan and Inter Milan being the dominant forces. But yeah, I saw the saw the, most of the second half of uh, of that match uh, this morning and Inter had a red card right as their goal was scored. So that they scored, went a goal up, and then were down to 10 men, and Liverpool were just putting the forward press on pretty much for the r- remaining half hour and gave no space at all to Inter to get that equaliser. And that just, they squeaked. I mean, they won the match, but they lost the, the tie overall Inter and Liverpool get through.
0: Yeah, no, it's hard enough to win at uh, Anfield with 11 men, uh, you know, and to to go that goal up, and then, as you said, one minute later, you, you, you get a man sent off. I think, you know, that. You know, just took the sting out of that hope that they, they had. And, and Liverpool are too good to, um, you know, unless there's a fluke, you know, you, you always live with, you know, with that chance of that happening. But, uh, you know, they, uh, again, controlled it after that. And I don't think it was out.
1: Um. Yeah.
0: And then tomorrow morning, we've got Manchester
1: City against Sporting CP from Lisbon, Portugal. But Man City lead that, that tie 5-0. So <laughs> it's going to be a long way back for the Portuguese side. Uh, but the one that's very much alive is Real madrid and PSG. Yeah, what a cracker that is. Yeah, it's going to be huge. PSG have a 1-0 lead. But this uh, tomorrow morning's match is at the Bernabeu at uh, Madrid's home ground. So
0: that's the one to watch at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, for sure. You know, the, these are the games, you You know, that's what the Champions League is, is all about. You know, that's what is so exciting. You've you, you obviously got Messi. Uh, Mbappe, hopefully, he didn't play at the weekend. So hopefully he'll be playing. Uh, and Neymar's leagues, you know, that just, those, those three is, is fantastic, uh, you know, and, and mouthwatering to look forward to. So it's going to be an exciting game.
1: We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side of this, and it's A-League time. Melbourne City, MacArthur, next.
0: G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.